Welcome to Swedishness, the podcast about life in Sweden. Our hosts are no less than one of Sweden's most loved and well-known TV hosts, Katis Alström, and Ireland's pride in Stockholm, journalist and storyteller Philip O'Connor. know that the 22nd of March is the most common birthday in Sweden? I do now. Why is that? <laughs> Please think a little. An arbitrary day. You've been there for some years now. Okay, St. Patrick's Day is the 17th of March, so I can't have anything to do with that. Christmas is three months previously, can't be anything to do with that. The summertime? Oh yes, midsummer. Midsummer's Eve. Midsummer's Eve. What happens then? What's so important about that? Are you so innocent? Clearly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think happens in the midsummer if, if that is the most common holiday, I, birthday? I, I know an awful lot of drinking goes on around then. And usually when people drink a lot, they tend to get a little bit amorous. Am I getting warm? Yes, maybe. But I would say midsummer in Sweden is very romantic. Okay. And we have the light. Yes. And we are very happy. So it's not... Oh, it's not only, it's not only alcohol. No, related. I wouldn't say that. It's something mysterious and fantastic about Midsummer. Mm-hmm. The mysterious, fantastic thing, the first time I witnessed it was in 1999 when I moved here. And uh, maybe that's the reason you and me have different opinions about Midsummer or different views on it. I was invited to celebrate it with a soccer team uh, about 50, 60 kilometers north of Stockholm here. And uh, I arrived out there in the middle of the day. And exactly as you, I thought, you know, this is romantic. It's lovely. We're outdoors. It's green. We're close to the water. And then people started to, you know, snaps is a big thing. You know, mm-hmm. when people are eating their seal, their pickled herring and that. But I, it was basically like the last days of the Roman Empire, you know, where everybody had the biggest party ever. And apparently this happens every year. So then I got the idea that, you know, okay, whatever happens here is just crazy. So that's why I was thinking that the alcohol played a part in what then followed, well, in the romance that came after. But did you say that you went with football guys? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so it might have an explanation. Yeah, no? The girl who's now my wife was there as well. But, you know, when an entire <laughs> Soccer team celebrating midsummer. It's a sight to behold, I have to say. <laughs> okay. Outside of Christmas, midsummer is Sweden's most important public holiday and an event that many in this secular country consider even more sacred. In this most organized of countries, the annual party to celebrate the start of summer always takes place on a Friday between June 19th and June 25th. City dwellers typically flock to the countryside, totally emptying the city centres for the duration of the two-day festival. They spend the weekend picking flowers to put under their pillows and dreaming of future partners, snacking on pickled herring and potatoes boiled in dill from the typical smorgasbord, downing shots of schnapps and dancing in a rather silly manner around maypoles. The night between the 21st and 22nd marks a shift in the Northern Hemisphere. After that, the days get shorter. But on this magic night, the sun never sets in the northernmost parts of the country and it gets dark for only an hour or two in the rest of Sweden. A night made for rumble and romance. As an immigrant, is it important to adjust to the Swedish midsummer? Uh, I think so, because, I mean, all these things exist for a reason, you know, and it's like learning the language, it's like celebrating Christmas and that kind of thing, even if you're not religious. 
I think that you know you get uh, you gain a greater understanding of what it is to live in this part of the world, a greater understanding of the culture, and to understand why it's so important to Swedes. And then you have this big thing with the daylight as well that it's actually a big celebration of okay now we're moving into the parts of the year where it's most comfortable in this part of the world. And once you st- you understand that you grow to appreciate it. The big mistake I made was moving to Sweden in the summer. I thought this is brilliant. Uh, the, the, the lights are on all the time here. And about six months later, things started to change. So the following year, my second midsummer, I probably appreciated it even more. Okay, let's ask somebody who knows everything about Swedish midsummer, Jonas Engman. Jonas Engman, ethnologist from the Nordic Museum in Stockholm. The Nordic Museum has exhibitions about life and work, trends and traditions from the 16th century to today. Jonas is their head of archives and an expert on Swedish traditions. Welcome, Jonas Engman. Thank you. So why why do we celebrate Midsummer? Uh, quite complicated, but, but uh, uh, the, the first celebration of Midsummer came to us probably in the 15th century or so, when we were actually Catholics. So the day was a day to celebrate St. Johannes, uh, St. John, uh, which is uh, so a saint. And then we turned Protestant in the 16th century and we forgot all about the, the, the St. John day. And, but we kept on celebrating it as a magic day, a day of, of uh, made us possible for, to foresee in the future and so on. Uh, uh, we didn't celebrate the light in itself, I believe, in those days. That's very modern. Mm-hmm. We like to, to celebrate Swedish or Nordic light as a kind of modernity, a modern identity for us. But uh, in those days, in the peasant society until the 19th century, light were most a signal to work and work mm-hmm. and work and work because all work were performed when it was oh. daylight. Nothing to celebrate. Not much to celebrate in itself. But, but it must have been, you know, in that peasant society for the people who worked on farms and that kind of thing, this must have been, you know, one of the great days of the year when they got a day off to have a few drinks and enjoy themselves. Well, the people drank. They drank a kind of uh, beer that I wouldn't like to drink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, but, and, and liquor a lot. But we don't know if people were drinking a lot and getting drunk. But I, I think, I believe, as far as we know, people were, if not fornicating, they were actually flirting and so on. Mm-hmm. And there were a few days when young kids, person could do that mm. because that it was a very controlled society. Uh, young people, men and young men and young women didn't meet mm. uh, without their, their the adults. So, but there were a few days when they could do this, and I believe that Midsummer Night was one, or even and and uh, a few nights apart from that. But did we lose anything uh, uh, important on the way? It depends how you look on it. The Swedish peasant society were very, very poor, really poor. So I believe that we wouldn't miss that a lot. Uh, and that, that, no, I don't think so. Uh, we like to eat when we celebrate, and we like to drink when we celebrate. And dance. And you mentioned the maypole. What kind of symbol is that? Uh, we don't know. Probably it's just a pole, <laughs> but some some people say it's a Christian symbol. Maybe it's uh, it, it probably it has some connection with Saint John's Day and, and mm. the Catholic times. Mm. But the the cross 
that, that it's quite modern. It was introduced in the 19th century, actually, 1850 or so. So it's like it's like a big pole part of it, and there's a cross at the top. Exactly. And then on either side of the cross, there's sort of two rings hanging yeah. there, and it's usually festooned with leaves and, yeah, and exactly. flowers and that kind of thing. And a big part of the, the modern celebration, certainly, as I've seen it around Stockholm and out in the country, is the, the maypole is raised, usually by the men of the village, but the women mm. take part as well. And that's a big part of the ceremony when the, the local community gets together. Mm. But is it important to be with other people? Is it important to be with yes. your family? We celebrate a different network. You could say, apart, um, if you compare to Christmas, mm. uh, Christmas is family, but this is network where you you're include your friends. Yeah. Mm. Would you say it's difficult for an immigrant or a guest from another country to to uh, be invited and and to get yeah, involved? participate? It, it, that's not so special for midsummer because rituals. That is. Um, what we're talking about, actually, they they have a certain cultural grammar, mm. like language. Uh, you know, if you you can notice a person, he he or she move a little different from the others. They are learning, so they are foreigners or they are from the village uh, uh, beside us. Mm. Um, so, uh, of course, it is that this this uh, one point in, in our understanding of culture is that you you have to learn it, and it's your body that learn it. Actually, you have to do it in the right way. So I'm I'm not sure, but I would guess that I could pinpoint you on a midsummer. I'd stick out like a sword. Maybe not now, yeah. <laughs> but but you for five years ago and so yeah. but you you I, would I'd be the guy standing to the yeah, side when looking. everybody else is dancing I, I do not get this at all. Say something to, to somebody who come here and want to participate. What do they need to think about? Just go in for it, actually. <laughs> and we, what we do is that we like to to um, play with different kinds of, of what I would call cultural category, man and animal. We would jump like frogs, mm -hmm. for instance. Mm -hmm. And that's a kind of ridiculous, it seems, but it's really a classical theme in carnivals where you pretend to be an animal. Mm -hmm. And that makes it funny. But so go in for it and then you will be in. But it's not so easy to take that step into. Were you aware of the statistics that so many babies are born the 22nd of March? No, not really, but I maybe I would have guessed, but <laughs> not really. Lena Lundqvist represents Statistics Sweden, an administrative agency with the main task to supply customers such as the government or other decision makers, researchers and journalists with statistics on almost anything about the life as a Swede. Lena is one of their population experts with a great knowledge on Swedish households, work life and welfare needs, marriage and divorces, births and deaths. Lena, yes. is it true? Is it so many children born the 22nd of March? Yeah, during the almost the last 100 years, March has been the most common uh, month to give birth. Sometimes it's April, March or April, mostly March. And why? I don't know. Maybe I didn't pass that question away. Yes, the statistics. But, that, but that's something that's tracked by Statistics Sweden. So we're going back a hundred years and yes. around about the end of March. I mean, simple mathematics would say that it's got to have something yeah. to do with yes. midsummer there. And you can also see that another common month is April. And that is the 
vacation month mm. in Sweden. Oh, okay, um, yeah, nine so, months before. So, so now that Sweden, of yes. course, moved on to, I mean, Sweden was one of the first place, uh, first countries to offer paid vacation to its workers. Yeah. And what tends I to happen now is that uh, midsummer is like that's that's the starting gun for the summer period. So people yes. celebrate midsummer, and they might then work another week or two. But then in July, the country pretty much closes down. Everybody yeah. goes out and they go swimming, and they're obviously doing other things in the bedroom in the evening as well. If your statistics are to be believed. Clara Arnberg is doctor in economic history with a special interest for sex. She's been writing about Swedish sex life and done research around pornography. She's also responsible for an anthology about sexual politics, a research field that covers habits, legislation, reproduction, healthcare and a lot more. Clara, uh, what are your conclusions about Swedes making babies on Midsummer's Eve? <laughs> I don't have an opinion on that. Maybe it's true that, but still, you know, I, I think it's very interesting how how this kind of Midsummer, how they construct also what we believe is Swedishness. Mm-hmm. So what we are constructing when we talk about. Uh, midsummer is some kind of Swedishness, and and actually, when you talked about uh, midsummer in the beginning, I can totally see in in the historical sources when you you move back to the 1950s, for example, there was this big debate o- about uh, the Swedish sin, mm-hmm. and and then it was released a lot of uh, Swedish films, uh, for example, by Ingmar Bergman, uh, that depicted. Sweden in summer landscapes, so that became some kind of uh, a sense of Swedishness. It's like, that a, was, like a motif for yeah, Sweden. And, yeah, and and that became very you know popular mm-hmm. abroad. And also, what was m- more to it, it was that it depicted also sexuality and premarital sexuality. Uh, and at the same time, Sweden got this you know mandatory sexual education. It sounds like. Like it was very liberal, but you know, if you go into mm. the actual sex education that pupils got, it was you know more the biological sense of uh, reproduction. But still, when you have these kinds of uh, images abroad, then what happened then in 1955 was that it was a journalist, Joe David Brown from Time Magazine. He wrote a famous article called "Sin in Sweden," uh-huh. and. And even if most of the things he wrote, like Sweden was a socialist country and here people had sex all the time because they were so bored with the system and also the secular country, people were supposed to, you know, be uh, very immoral and so this fitted together. But still, I think also like you have to acknowledge that the Swedish sin was a myth, it was not a reality, exactly. of course. But, but, uh, yes, that's interesting, because what is the reality? Uh, if it comes to statistics, yes. how can you... Uh, what do you know about the Swedish sexuality, uh, according to the statistics? Yes, uh, of course, I don't know anything about the sexuality, but I know the number of births. <laughs> uh, during the 20th century, March has been one of the most common months to give birth to. But since 2003, July has been the most common month to give birth. And it has increased. Uh, the number of births in July has increased since the mid-60s. And, and why do you think? 
I don't know. Is there an explanation? I think we no. might have to go back over the years and check the TV listings. And yeah, yeah. Well, that's in the welfare system. You have to check out where you get funds for or, or support yeah. from society and having babies. Of course, because the system in Sweden is very generous. Um, usually, this uh, two weeks, each parent, or the, we'll say the mother has the baby and she starts her maternity leave. Yeah. The father's entitled to two weeks paid paternity leave. So, so you don't have to, uh, you don't actually have to take, if you play your cards right in July, you don't have to take your vacation at all. And you can still be at home for two or three weeks. So that might be a, sort of a, a socio-economic factor. I have about this vision in my head of it all getting hot and heavy in the bedroom and somebody going, get the calendar, we need to check out what's going on. <laughs> the government is now, um, what the commissioner, what do you call that? Uh, there was a commission of inquiry or yeah, a study inquiry. commissioned there, yeah. About the sexual habits in Sweden. Why do they want to do that? Why is that important? I think that this has to do, among other things, with public health. Mm. So, so it's not that it's not a kind of uh, the, the idea is not controlling, but to learn about people so we can foresee what kind of illnesses we are going to get. Yeah, and, so and also have well-informed political decisions. Mm. I, I think it would be very interesting just to compare the these the same kind of inquiry they did in the sixties with the one they are doing now, because then they didn't ask about sexual violence, for example, and almost nothing about same-sex relationships. Uh, but nowadays, I, I, I guess that will be part mm. of the questionnaire. Probably. So it would be very interesting to say something about history. We like to think of ourselves as a very democratic society, and in many senses we are, really, we are. But there are other things uh, concerning the welfare state, for instance, that was well, it was fantastic because it brought Sweden and Swedes out of deep, deep, deep poverty. Mm. It was a, both a fantastic society, but also, like many societies in Europe, were kind of a controlled society. And we were actually, really, the politicians and the government tried to know everything about you, and they did, actually. Statistics in Sweden, we have a register about people. And most other countries doesn't have register. They have just uh, these uh, censuses each five yeah. or ten mm. year. Mm. But we have register in Sweden. How come so we are we have all those registers? I think it started in 1860 or 1858 when Statistics Sweden was founded. Mm. And since, since then we have control of the people. And in what way do you use it? And how uh, can you my, use it? Actually, I work with the population projections in Sweden, so I use the popul the previous population to make projections about the future. So it's kind yeah. of used in helping plan the services that yes. are needed yes. going forward there. Mm. But if we go back to something else, when I moved here to Sweden in 1999, and I apologize if I'm about to offend you all now, but I sort of grew up with the impression of Sweden as being this very sexually liberated land, particularly when it came to, to women. <laughs> now, do, would you agree with that perception? Would you have that perception of yourselves as women growing up here? Or is that something that you'd rather sort of push back and go, hey, it depends yeah. on what you mean by sexually liberated, mm -hmm. but uh, I, I of course, when you grew up in the society, you don't necessarily compare yourself to other, you know, nationalities. But I was quite, when coming abroad, I was surprised that people had that view of Sweden. But I, I also think that the image of Sweden is kind of complex because, mm -hmm. in the first sense, you have this kind of Swedish sin, but then. In the 1990s, when you have the prostitution legislation, yes. the banning of uh, buying sexual services. Uh, where do you see this going? Where do the <coughs> statistics point? Do you see more people getting married, Lena? More children being born? More children being born on the 22nd of March next year, maybe? 
uh, I don't know about the month, but we can see that there are more children are born mm-hmm. for each year in Sweden. But it depends on that the number of women aged 22 or uh, 40 yeah. are increasing. So the number of children are increasing. Mm-hmm. But the number of children for each woman, it's decreasing. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's so a small, small decrease. What's the average number of children that a woman has nowadays? Can you remember that? Oh, a little less than two. A little less than two. Yes. I have two children. I'm bang on. I'm so yes. average. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Me too. But you're not bang on until your wife has aged age 45 because she can have more children. I, I don't think she's even... I, I won't even play her this podcast. It's <laughs> off the table. Okay, I think that's all for now. Thank you so much. And for all your listeners that want to experience the true tradition of Swedish midsummer, please give them some advice. Oh, okay, what you have to do is find a place in your meadow to rise your pole, your maypole, Uh, a cliff preferably facing the water where you can set up your tent actually uh, have a look at the everyman's right in Sweden you can pitch your tent pretty much anyway but that's a story for another day Uh, you need to get plenty of practice at eating raw pickled herring to make sure you can swallow a fair amount without having to swallow copious amounts of schnapps as well Um, if you're going to celebrate midsummer correctly you're going to have to make a google translate of a song called Smågrodena Uh, you probably need to have a look at a YouTube clip of this as well, just so you can see the very gymnastic movements for the dance that accompanies it. But I'm now going to turn it over to my Swedish compatriots here to sing Small Grodena, Little little Frogs. Small Grodena! Small Grodena! Okay. Small Grodena, Small Grodena, This podcast was brought to you by the Swedish Institute, a government agency which promotes interest and confidence in Sweden around the world. To learn more about all things Swedish, visit sweden.se or sweden.se on Facebook or Twitter. To learn more about the Swedish Institute, visit si.se. Can I add something? In the 1960s, it was released uh, this uh, movie called The Language of Love. And when Mm -hmm. it was released in the US, they used... Uh, this slogan, and it's so similar to the podcast. Uh, the slogan in in the U.S. press was like this: "Everything you've always wanted to know, learn about la- the language of love, but couldn't afford a trip to Sweden to find out." <laughs> 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 that was in 1960. <laughs> <laughs>